0: They'll show it off, my huh, general. You know me, Echo. It's time for Send In The Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the Droid Army of the Evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to Send In The Clones! In this episode! Still fighting to escape Skako Minor after rescuing Echo from the horrific clutches of the Techno Union. Our heroes find themselves with unlikely allies when the Karadax and the Poltex rescue them.
1: Hey, choops, it's your old buddy, Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the job ship, he's a Clone Wars veteran on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars.
2: He's the Rex to my Echo. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Welcome back, everyone.
1: And we are going to talk about the 124th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology written by Brent Friedman and Matt McNevitz and directed by Bosco Ng. It's Season 7, Episode 3, On the Wings of Keradax. So Robbie, did you remember anything about this from its animatic form before you rewatched? Or should I even say rewatched before? this viewing of season seven episode three on the wings of kerodax yesterday or should i say this morning or whatever time it was a few hours ago let's just say
2: i did not i didn't remember any of this i mean some of it seemed slightly familiar but honestly those animatics they were so rough that it's more about the character interactions and things like that and this episode is is what 95 percent action so so yeah no
1: well, this episode opens with our heroes on their Echo rescue mission, still trying to battle their way off Skako Minor, which they eventually do via... What else but the ventilation system, Robbie? Crawling through ventilation systems. It's such a huge part of the show. And... Of course, they have to unplug Echo first from that nightmare apparatus that those evil and dastardly techno union fiends that i hooked up to. And... Of course, after that, that's not all there is to it, because the final part of their escape involves finding themselves trapped out on a pipe bridge, from which they leap onto a flock of Kiradaks. And this is probably a solution which would have been no surprise to anyone who looked up the episode title before watching the episode like I did. And then the Keradax cut out heroes back to the Pole Tech Village, which understandably peeves those Pole Techs off, and which leads to an oddly unapologetic and demanding Rex telling the poll that they have to take sides and the notes I've got on the first section Robbie the bit where Ricker throws Hunter up into the vent kind of without any warning that reminded me of Anakin throwing Rex off the top of that laser turret wall in season 2 episode 7 landing at Point Rain <laughs> and I also thought the pipe bridge scene was very beautiful it reminded me a little bit of Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom just the way it was sort of set up you know a hero being trapped in the middle of a wide bridge with the baddies coming from both sides and I mean, I'm just going to give away the spoiler now. It featured my favorite shot of the episode, which was Wrecker dangling upside down, having saved Crosshair from falling. And the other five heroes are on the pipe, blocking their ears from the Keridax screams as we look up at all of our heroes sort of from below and we see those dastardly d wing droids stalking along the pipe towards them. And then the third and final remark I've got on this part of the episode is that Rex demanding the Poltax take sides seemed... Surprisingly, against the spirit of Star Wars to me I was surprised that the story beat wasn't more one where our heroes sort of came to them with a bit more humility saying you know we're in a desperate situation we know that we have meshed your day up big time by bringing the war to you uh, but you know please we uh, need your help and that the poll would sort of have an opportunity to display heroism by sort of choosing to help the heroes to fight the bad guys rather than being harassed and bullied into it by Rex I mean there is something a little bit interesting almost thematically there with the way that Rex ties it into Echo and how Echo has been used by the separatists in a similar way to the way that the clones are used by the Jedi or by the Republic but it, it just it was just an odd Odd way for that scene to play out. Just an odd tone. So, how'd you like this escape scene, Robbie? And our heroes, once again, meeting up with the Poltex.
2: I've got a lot of notes here, but mostly they're just little touches that I liked. You know, like, I love the fact that the, you know, the ceiling of the door reminded me of Aliens. Right. And even even the corridors, you know, that the the ventilation system, for some reason, it, I got an Aliens vibe from it. I really liked a lot of the animation here. I mean, the just little touches that... You know, you've got your, I guess, your Generation 1 battle droids. And then you've got the super battle droids. And the voices are the same, but they're differently modulated. You know, they have a different sound to it. And even these, they have a different, almost a a different vocal pattern or something about them. A different effect on, you know, Matthew Wood's voice that I just really, really enjoyed. I love the fact that, you know, after he's, you know, Wrecker has tossed everybody up. You know, and Anakin says, hey, Wrecker, I've got this. And his little after you yeah. gesture, I thought was kind of neat. The Decimator. I love the lightning effect. It almost, you know, it has that very, you know, those little plasma globes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I used to have one when I was younger, but it reminds me of Goonies, you know, and right. Chunk is all, ah, ha, ha, you know, in the attic. But anyway, that's what that reminded me of. And, and then, uh, and, and this is something that I don't know if this is something that you miss, but like Watt Tambor, right? In Attack of the Clones he's got that little dial with the <laughs> yeah. Why does he never use it? Why is that never an issue here? Right. Or was it just just this little moment of something going wrong on his modulator in Attack of the Clones? But for some reason every time I see him, I want him to do that. You know, I want him to tune it in and he doesn't do it anytime in this episode or any of the previous ones. So it's kind of something that I noticed here that I just was like I was kind of missing.
1: Yeah, the thing I miss about that is that there is absolutely nothing else interesting about that character. I mean, I think the first time we talked about him in the Clone Wars series, yeah. I mentioned that he was just a bland character and nothing has changed about that. I think he's my least favorite villain in the whole Clone Wars story. You know, it just, there's nothing to him for me. So, yeah. I mean, we're comparing him to a lot of other villains, which are legit great villains. I mean, this show is awesome at making great villains. So,. You know, once in a while one doesn't really pop, so be it. But, you know, (laughs) Tambor is a bit of a, he's a bit of a nothing for me, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, he's very generic as far as, I mean, there's no, there's no real motivation other than the techno union needs their money, I guess. I mean, it's, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, he doesn't have a great voice. He doesn't have a great look. He's just. Well,
2: and, and that's the thing too, is that, you know, when you have the great villains, the generic ones. Yeah. Pale even more in comparison.
1: Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Probably worse than you, though.
2: Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's he sticks out. I mean, I didn't have any notes about him being particularly bland or anything like that. I just it's just one of those character ticks that I really like about his character was that you know that whatever that I guess modulator or whatever it is. No, I get you. I, I don't know. I've always liked that.
1: I get you. It's the one thing I like about him, and they didn't even use it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So. And then when they get to the pipes, when he, you know, oh, you're not going to like it, you know, and he opens the door and immediately I thought, I wonder if Butch is going to bring up the, oh, be careful. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually got that a couple of times in this, I mean, not not as, for some reason, it's not as bad as as ever it was, you know, that first time that I brought it up.
1: Maybe because Ahsoka's not there, it really is emphasized when it's Ahsoka, especially when she was younger. I don't know. Whereas, you expect that this whole crew is very competent, so we're not really ever afraid for them, I think.
2: Yeah, but it's still, you know, as you mentioned, it does remind me of the Temple of Doom, and I think it's just the way that it's shot. It's almost like they stole some, I shouldn't say stole, they borrowed some shots of the way that, you know, that scene looked, especially kind of that far away shot. Yeah, And then I've got, let's see, the scream of the Kyridex. There was definitely the accolade sound from Attack of the Clones mixed in this time. And I don't know if that was some sort of issue on tech's playback or whatever, but it definitely sounded like an accolade to me, which is the tall, almost insectoid creature, I guess, in, in that gladiator scene in Attack of the Clones. Right. But it just stuck out to me. And then, uh, I like that the flying battle droids, their wings kind of have almost a dragonfly esque yeah. pattern to it. You know what I mean? And it's just something. Again, it's since there's not a whole lot of character moments in this episode, I was really kind of focused on sort of the stylistic sure. choices that they made, and it was kind of interesting to see some of these these designs. But it's not as uh, you know juicy as as some of the. Uh, Other episodes with, you know, like deep character motivation reveals or anything like that. But then, as you said, the politex are surprisingly easy to convince. And it felt very rushed. That whole, hey, I know you don't like us being here, but, you know, we need your help. So get over it. Okay. And then they just move on and and it just felt very unnatural and surprisingly rushed. I don't want them sitting there for a whole episode... You know, trying to convince the Politex to to help them, but at the same time, it just felt very abrupt. But that's uh, that's all the stuff that I had mentioned or that I'd noted about that first part of the episode.
1: Well, what they're rushing to, Robbie, is that what Tambor is not taking the rescue and escape of Echo lying down. So before they can say, "Here's where the fun begins," the war comes to the Poltec village, and it's pretty hardcore and brutal. Many many Politecs die. The village gets smashed. All because of Rex and Anakin and Clone Force 99 have done. But at the end, the Poltecs aren't angry at all for some reason. They whoop and holler and they cheer for Anakin's heroics in defeating the ball droid that Anakin had brought to the village. And then the Poltecs even go so far as to say, you know, for, hey, anytime you're in the neighborhood, feel free to drop by for a cuppa. You got a friend in us. So <laughs> it was just an odd, that I mean, that vibe that we brought up how the first half of the episode sort of finished where the Poltecs were just oddly forgiving and friendly after they'd felt so cold in the previous episode it just felt like almost like when a character is written inconsistently yeah. I don't know because in that first episode they had no inclination to help you know we'll lead you to a certain point and then you're on your own so I don't know it's just hard but I couldn't help as brutal as the attack on the village was I couldn't help but being thrilled by those massive HG Wellsian War of the Worldsian Octopara bullheaded tri-droids with their massive tri-laser cannons and I guess the very standoffish and cold nature of the Poltex in the previous episode was just because they hadn't had their village smashed yet. And it actually turns out the key to making them like you is to bring war to their village and cause untold death to be rained upon them. And then they are suddenly your friends. So we learned a lot today, Robbie.
2: Well, maybe maybe they, you know, wanted to do a lot of renovations and they just didn't really want to go through the whole hassle of wrecking everything down. So maybe they helped out in some weird way. Free demo work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's... As you said, I mean, or as we both said, this episode feels, especially now talking about it, it feels even more rushed. And when you mentioned that the episode was like 18 minutes, you know, it felt like there just wasn't a whole lot here other than, you know, it's a straight up action scene. Yeah. Almost the whole episode. I mean, like I said, the details are really kind of fun to see. And I mean, beautifully rendered and beautifully done. I loved... (laughs) <laughs> a wrecker throwing wrecks and him no oh no not right. again you know yeah. i love that the only weird thing that i got was I, and i was gonna ask you about this that ending shot of echo did you get like this sense of yeah foreboding or something bad coming
1: like an ominous vibe and the music doesn't help i mean or should i say the music does help it feel ominous yeah. the music has this odd almost dissonant sort of tone all of a sudden and the way it lingers on echo and you know it's hard to look at echo because he's so beat up and you know, his ribs are showing he just looks in terrible shape so it's definitely not a happy sort of <laughs> note to end the episode on even though he's obviously relieved to be rescued yeah i guess i should say it's not a happy note it is or maybe a bittersweet note i don't know but i do get what you're saying it did feel like there was something ominous at the end like i don't know like we're not as out of the woods yet as we maybe think we are with
2: yeah and and honestly i I have to mention that i don't remember exactly how this turns out i guess the big moment of this arc really that was memorable for me was the introduction of the bad batch and then the finding of echo i don't remember how it all turns out so it's it's going to be kind of interesting to watch it next week to see i guess the the wrap up of this arc to see what's really gonna you know how this turns out and maybe it'll you know, once I watch it, it'll spark some memory of, oh, yeah, that, that is how it turns out. But right now, I can't remember how it turns out, and I don't really want to look it up. So I'm kind of enjoying the not knowing where everything's going. You know what I mean?
1: I know what you mean, Robbie. I've, I mean, that's been my experience of the whole show so far over the last three or four months. And, yeah, that's, I mean, I've been enjoying it. But speaking of things that are memorable, Robbie, what was your most memorable shot of On the Wings of Kyridex?
2: Well, it was actually in that last segment that's a single shot of one of the tripod... I'm sorry, tri-droids. They're pretty much tripod. The tripods from War of the Worlds, as you said.
1: I love those things.
2: Yeah, and it was a shot of it kind of coming over a ridge, and it was firing. Just the angle of it and everything reminded me of the Spielberg War of the Worlds so much that it was just... It stuck out to me as my favorite single shot. I mean, again, this whole episode feels strange to me in that it's its just all action. It's all, you know, getting from point A to point B, but I did enjoy all of these kind of callbacks to movies and things, and it, it just made me really enjoy it. So that specific shot was the one that I, it stuck out to me.
1: Yeah, those Octopara Trood droids with the way that they recall the cover of any of those War of the Worlds books, you know, that's what those tripods look like, and they're just they're just a cool design. They really do a great job of making them feel scary and ominous, to use that word again, as they start yeah. you know, entering the village. Even when there's that, that, that sort of beautiful scene of them flying out, where we see from behind what Tambora and his two subordinates watching them fly out with the D-Wings, they just look... They're just scary-looking, cool, scary-looking things. And I'm going to give away my rating right now, Robbie. I've got it at six Octopara Tri-Droids out of ten, which maybe I would just say it's six octopar... I don't know. I'm going to confuse... I'm going to... I'm going... <laughs> I'm doing... What am I doing, Robbie? I was going to say maybe it's two octoparatrijoids, but it's six octoparatrijoid legs and six octoparatri. But it's too early in the morning for me to do maths this simple, Robbie. <laughs> even if... Don't let me brag about my degrees in maths and physics where I can't even do this basic maths. But anyway, Robbie, how did you like season 7 episode 3 on the wings of the carrot axe. where does it sit on that four star Robbie scale
2: well here's what's funny so when i was watching it for me way early in the morning it was uh 2 15 in the morning when i started watching it last night i guess or this morning whatever you want to say i had it at 3.5 out of 4 because i really enjoyed it but the more i've talked about it the more i've thought about it and when i made my notes i have to change that rating
1: ah oh, we shouldn't have talked about it is that what you're saying well
2: then okay Well, you want to just delete this or... You want to just... Now I'm bummed.
1: I I thought you were actually going to be harder on this episode than you were on the previous one where you were very hard on the way that it felt like a lot of action without any consequence and this whole episode was action with zero character. So I was actually happy that you were so positive and you had all these notes because I was worried that we were both going to be a little bit down on it and I mean everyone who's listened to us for long enough knows that six out of ten on my weird scale is still positive right yeah anything that's five and above for me is still a positive rating so it's not that I didn't enjoy the episode maybe it sounds like that but I still had a good time watching it especially the first time you know before I watched the second time to make the notes
2: Well, and that's the thing. Like I said, I changed my rating. It's not a 3.5 anymore. This is going to be a 3 out of 4. It's still recommended, and it's still fun to watch. But there's, as you said, there's just no... It it just feels so truncated. It almost feels like even they, you know, when they were animating, they were like, "Eh, there's nothing here. Let's just get the action scenes out of the way, and let's move on to this fourth episode. So, yeah, I, I had to bring it down, but I just enjoyed all of the... And maybe it was because it was so early in the morning and I was tired and I was, you know, not a hundred percent, but I really enjoyed all of the callbacks to like other media, you know, and for me, it felt very organic in the way that it was done. It didn't feel shoehorned in like that. The design of the tripods was, I don't know. It's almost like they said, we really like this design and we want to go with it, but let's throw in some of that war of the world's kind of flavor, especially like Spielberg's movie. There's that sense of Scale to it that's really really fun You know and really kind of cool And it's I don't know why but I've Gotten to where I really enjoy The scale of really really large Things <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's the, Like the way that certain movies you know Like even some of the monster movies or whatever The way that some of those things Are shot in this way that makes them Feel really huge I just really enjoyed That so it's almost going to Be interesting to me I think that's a new way for me To do it is when I'm watching these episodes Is kind of rate it after i've watched it the first time and then the second time when i'm taking my notes and i'm kind of being more critical with it right how does that rating change does it change at all or does it go down or go up or whatever so uh so yeah for me it was a 3.5 to start now it's a three
1: yeah that's an interesting angle i should probably or maybe i should do the same thing I have, so we have two ratings <laughs> one rating one just the watch <laughs> and the other rating after we actually sort of analyze and think about it and uh that might be a I don't know another fun thing to throw into the mix here this late in the game but yeah I love those ball headed droids even all the way back to I think Hidden Enemy which was the second episode in the mm. chronology when Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of ride one of them down That's they've got one of them on the side of that building just when they're chasing Ventress and I think it's either Obi-Wan or Anakin chops the legs off the thing and they sort of start riding it down and I've just always liked the design of those ball headed massive droids so in the similar way to the how I have a soft spot for Admiral Trench, because he was my first Clone Wars villain, you know, because he was from Season 2, Episode 16, the very first episode in the chronology, the very first Clone Wars episode I ever watched. So I always have a little bit of a soft spot for these ball-headed droids. But that's mission accomplished for Season 7, Episode 3, On the Wings of Karadax. And, wait, they're not the same, though, are they? Aren't these a little slightly different design from the ones that were in Hidden Enemy? Maybe I should. I mean, they weren't tripods back then. I feel like they were had four legs.
2: You're talking about the. And see, I'm, I'm having a hard time picturing what you Yeah, you're...
1: I might just go back and watch Hit an Enemy and <laughs> find out for myself instead of trying to work it out now or when we're trying to wrap up the show, but these felt new, like a newer updated version of the original Bulldogs, but they are, I guess what I'm saying is I like that family of oh, yeah. droids because they're massive and they have the ball heads and they remind me of like steampunky HG Wellsian terrifying monster droids, but anyway, <laughs> w- Robbie, won't you please take a moment out there to let the troops out there know,
2: what are our communications channels? Of course. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y.
1: Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 125th episode on the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 7, Episode 4, Unfinished Business. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we
0: are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Robbie at gmail.com
2: be with you. Thank you
1: for helping us in our fight.
0: Uh-huh. He said the Jedi will always have an ally here on Skakomona. Rex, thanks
1: for coming after me. That's what brothers do. I'm just sorry it took
0: so long. Hopefully, it's going to be just like old times. Yeah, just like old times.